without being patient in that endurance, to not endure patiently. You are enduring, but not patiently. Hallelujah. And he says, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. What does it mean to keep from the hour of trial? What is the meaning of keeping from? Why is the word from there? From the hour of trial. What is the hour of trial that is coming? And what does it mean to keep from? That is the rapture itself right there. Meaning, it is, that is coming the whole known world. Meaning, there is nowhere on the earth to hide. And if the Lord is going to secure you, it has to be in the pavilion of his glory up there. So that is the rapture. He could have said, I will also keep you through. Through the hour of trial. That would totally mean a totally different thing. To plow through the 27th week. I mean, the 70th week, uh, verse 27 of Daniel chapter 9, right? That would be unbelievable to pass through the tribulation, right? And that's why you people have to be born again well and just be righteous and holy that when that day which I'm announcing which the Lord is sending us to announce globally arrives, you don't take chances, you just enter, right? Because I've seen the entry of the church. In other words, the exit of the church from the earth, right? And so, it says, what does it mean, the hour of trial that is going to come to the whole world? What, what does it mean when he says the whole world? Meaning, nowhere to hide, right? Nowhere will be safe. And to test the inhabitants of the earth. What does it mean to test? Testing them. And who are the inhabitants of the earth? Are we together? So there is a lot in there. That's why I'm reading in a hurry, but there's a lot to unpack it over there. To unpack for you. And then it says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have, that no one takes your crown. And that's a very big one right there. So he's saying that he's coming soon without saying the hallmarks. Meaning the imminency of his coming, right? Meaning without notice, right? He's coming soon. Are we together? The imminency of Christ's return. Hallelujah. And then he's saying that be careful that no one takes your crown. Meaning crowns are being taken. The possibility of plunder. And you can run it all the way down if you wish, right? You can run it from... Uh, you, you, can, you can run it from where can you start from? You can even begin it from um, you, you can begin from Reuben losing to Judah, right? And then you go all the way to, to Saul losing to David and you go to Esau losing to Jacob and you go on eh, on and on and then you understand what the Lord is saying. That's why many times he says, don't be like Esau who despised his inheritance for temporary pleasures. Just a little lentil soup, temporary pleasure. Which the present day church is doing, right? Very much. Very much. For temporary pleasure, they have lost their eternity. Their inheritance. They prefer not to lose that job but to renounce Jesus to keep the job. Or to give in to sin, to keep the job or income, or whatever the case is. And so, th this is what we're going to look at the rescue, the grand rescue is there. So, another thing we're going to look at in detail. What else do you see there? Now, if I were you and I read such a tremendous promise, the God of heaven has stepped forward and promised a day when he will snatch people, take people. And look at how that day will take place. Recently, November. November 20th, this year, that's not yet ended. The Lord again 
appeared to me, but in presenting, in presenting how the rapture will take place. And remember, he comes from this direction far beyond the galaxies. And when he's coming, he's like a huge white planet, but the, the ages are spread out filled with the glory of God. So, when he comes, then he enters the space above the earth. Okay, I keep doing this. He sweep like this, in a curve like this. And then he stops, I can see his golden crown, and he lifted up his right hand. And this time around, it was so fast. In the moment the church was taken and they disappeared. They went up. So, that is very serious. So, if I were you and I'm reading this, and uh, uh, you, you hear that there is a promise of eternity, of entry into the kingdom of God Almighty, in this form, glorious body, going up there, you know, leaving death and sin down here, the first thing you'd want to know, hey, I like that thing, when will it happen? Then the question of timing, time, when will it happen, should come in also, should hit your mind, right? That is so good. I'm tired of cancers here, tired of diabetes, tired of all these leukemias and bone marrow wart and tumors and psychosis and all these problems, bleeding diseases, fibroids and what have you, the, the, the COVID of this earth, heart conditions. I'm tired of this. Then when, if, if, if God has promised such a great thing, when will that thing happen? I just want it. I want it now. So you would want to know when it's going to take place. And if you go to look at when, you are going to quickly run into the imminency of his return. That the day and hour is not known. Meaning that is meant to instruct how you live. We're going to look at that also. We're going to look at each of them one by one, right? Another thing you'll see from there is that there is going to be a big transformation on that day, right? I think that's probably where we should start from. A big change on that day. That those who are alive, first of all, those who are dead are going to be resurrected, their bodies, and then glorified, changed, transformed, and go up to meet the Lord up there. And those who are alive are going to be translated to go up there. There's going to be a big transformation that you may now wear a body that can stand, that is suited for eternal glory, for eternity. Are we together? Hallelujah. And so, he says, Believers will be changed and they will be clothed with a body that is fit and befitting eternity with God. They will have glorified bodies, eternal bodies. The first scripture I want to read there is the book of First Corinthians chapter 15. Now we are looking at the key thing that when you read First Thessalonians chapter, 14, chapter 4, verses 13 to verse 18 on the rapture, the key things that come out to you. What is the key message you see, which is obvious? One of them will say the imminency of his return. We want that day. We want to know. When is it? Then you find that that day is unknown. So that should instruct how you live as in any moment. You should be always ready that at any time when he comes, you should live as though he can appear any moment now. And you should be ready. Why stay behind? Because, oh, you say, I was not ready. No. You should be prepared any moment to be taken up. That's what he's saying there. Hallelujah. And so, 
this is serious. Very, very serious what you see here. Because, so, so now we are looking at the transformation that will take place on the bodies, right? First Corinthians chapter 15, turn with me there. Are we still together? First Corinthians chapter 15. Those who are tuned in from Latino America, from Latin America, Primera Corinthians, por favor, versículo 15. Uh, primera, primera Corinthians, por favor, capítulo 15, versículo 50 al 58. From verses 50 to 58. He says the following. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, who are those? The church. So if you are somewhere tuned in all over the world and you hear about this wonderful thing someone is saying because you have tuned in through your Wi-Fi and you're listening, wow, there is this event God has promised where people will be given glorious bodies. They will not have to pay rent anymore. They will not suffer cancers anymore. They will not have consequences of sin, no death. They will just go up there and be with God. They will not enter the lake of fire. Wherever you are, maybe you are in Kenya, you are tuned in on radio, or you are tuned in by video globally here, and you are watching in your home, or you are just driving and you are on satellite uh, your internet, and you wonder how you can be part of this. The answer is right there, because it's saying, I tell you, brothers and sisters, meaning it is strictly confined to the church, and the church alone. So you must be born again and receive Christ to be able to take the benefits of the rapture of the church. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. That is the change we are talking about. So that is very powerful. So if you listen very carefully to what he's saying here in the scripture that I've rolled out to describe to us the transformation that partakes, that your brother consumes that day. One of the things you see there is that he's announcing the fact that the body on that day will be redeemed. The redemption of final of your bodies. Because there is the redemption of your souls now in the church age, but then the bodies remain unredeemed. That's why your body is always disturbing you. That's why many times you have to walk with the Holy Spirit, of course, all the time. But many times you have to fast also. Because there is a battle between the spirit and the body. Because the body remains unredeemed. But now he's saying here, on that day there is the redemption of your body. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was given as a deposit guaranteeing that. Right? So now he's telling you here very clearly that uh, on this matter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verses 50 and 58 that we are reading regarding transformation. The first thing he's telling you here is that that change will take place at the last trumpet. He has even mentioned it, right? That at the last trumpet. And that trumpet, listen to me here, that trumpet is not one of the seven trumpets of judgment. Not at all. We read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 all the way to 18. And we saw very clearly that that trumpet is the trumpet of God. Are we together? And it says, at the last trumpet. That trumpet is the trumpet of God Almighty. It is not the trumpet of the angels blowing it uh, uh, in judgment, right? In any case, the trumpet judgments are really in the heart of judgments, huh? judgment, right? So, when I will handle timing, and then we can open up more. And so, he's saying very big things here. He's saying, that a mystery, that the rapture of the church is a mystery. 
Because we read in the key prophecy, the key to end time prophecy, Daniel chapter 9 verses 24-27, we read very clearly and you saw that the church was not mentioned there. The rapture is not mentioned there. There Now the Lord, the, the, the Lord reveals it. He reveals it. When you look at the life of Enoch, as we're going to see very shortly if we get time, then you can see that there was an alluding about it. Hallelujah. I hope everybody is writing, including Cynthia Toh. I hope they are writing to help themselves. Because sometimes you can guess it's good, yes, but writing is very important because your memory doesn't let you down. So you can also preach it out there. So very serious. Very, very serious stuff here. And promises. Bold move by God. Bold promises. And he's saying, a big transformation that you'll be changed. The perishable will convert into imperishable. A mystery. We will not all sleep. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. What is he saying there? He's saying the following. That there is an entire generation that will be exonerated from death. There is a whole generation that will not taste death. They will not. And for that I bless you eternally, you alone there, into the kingdom of God. So he's saying the following. He's saying that there is an entire generation that will be exempted from death. At rapture. That is the generation I said. They're saying we, and we who are still alive will be changed. We, we, we. That's the last generation to the rapture. And they are alive. So for them, they will simply be translated. So there is an entire generation. And he's talking about those who have died also that will rise and then uh, they, they will be they will be woken up, they will be resurrected and glorified, given eternal bodies, whether it was a bomb blast, but the, all the pieces were put together, as you see, you'll see very shortly here, whether you were, you were, uh, you were not incinerated, but uh, cremated. Whether you were cremated, all those pieces will fit themselves together and get a circulatory system, get a brain system going, the ganglions and everything, and the nerves and the fibers and the bones, and then you'll be able to go up to be with the Lord forever. So he's going on there by saying, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. So now you understand the obvious transformation that blows out, that screams at you when you read First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18. When he said, we'll be changed. That is the transformation that takes place at rapture. Which is describing First Corinthians 15 verses 50 all the way down to 58. You see that there is a change. That's one of the obvious things you see. That everybody must be changed and get a body that's befitting eternity. I wish, uh, I, I wish my son could drink some water. My son, Jafet Korir. Oh, dazing, dizzy eyes. But I wish you can, <laughs> you can drink some cold water. Yeah. Those days, we, we used to put feet. You used to put feet in a cold basin. Eh? You were writing and feet, the feet in cold water as you are just reading for exams, for mocks and whatever it is that you are reading. Hallelujah. So that you don't do dazing and dizzying. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you don't want to miss this. You want the church in Kericho to catch this. Yes, Very powerful. So now, it says that there is an obvious transformation. That's where we began from. Remember we mentioned imminency of his return, which is also there. Because we said, if it is this good, I really want it now. When is it coming? I don't want to miss it. Then you are told, no, he comes at an hour nobody knows. 
So we're going to handle that also. But now we are handling this matter of the change first of all. That you may be transformed and befit the kingdom where you're going to. The glory of God. Isaiah cried out. And this change, you see it also. In the, let me finish this first. He says, For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has clothed itself with the, with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written comes true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where all death is your sting, where all death is, is, your, uh, is your victory, where all death is your sting. That is powerful. So now we have come to a place whereby we now see how the why in First Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 and 14 is saying, do not grieve like the rest of mankind. Why? Because for you have hope. Now you see where the hope is coming from because the Lord Jesus he struck and took away the sting of death. That is what he's talking about there. That he finished death for you. In other words, a safe passage for you. You see it over there now. Because he's saying, okay, okay, don't start distributing water. You are going to mess up my meeting here. It was just one bottle. Sit down. Nobody even asked you to look for water. You can stay awake. There's no problem. Don't disturb the meeting. Don't bring water. Don't bring water. Sit down and write your notes. You have your own church. Yes. You can stay awake. So, so, so you see the transformation. Because he's saying, the, the, uh, death has been swallowed up in victory. When the mortal converts into immortality and the perishable into imperishability. How many of you, I mean all of you know, all of you know that the body you have right now, if you don't wash it for 24 hours, it begins to stink. So it's a perishable body. And he's talking, you say, like, they say very. But so he's talking about an imperishable body, that when that perishable is converted to imperishability and the mortal into immortality, then death has been conquered, has been swallowed up in victory. The Lord Jesus took victory, and that is where your hope is, that now he defeated death, right? And that is what he's saying here, blessed people. And the, so the transformation we are talking about is right here. That is very uh, glaring when you read about rapture in First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18. Verse 54 here, First Corinthians 15, it says, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written comes true, death has been swallowed up in victory. This is very powerful. So for us, he's saying, this is the foundation of our faith. That it would be very disturbing for someone to say that they are ignorant of this. That is a problem. That would be a big problem. Do you understand the condition of the church in Thessaloniki? That this is exactly what they were ignorant about. But how better is the church of this generation? Not better at all. In fact, worse, right? Because now they are not even, they are so ignorant about the value of holiness without which nobody sees the Lord. So then you can understand that it's a big problem. You need to go out there and plow through that place and bring an awakening to them, right? Hallelujah. And so, and you see also, if you give me a moment, I'll just read the book of Revelation chapter 4 also. The same change, you see it portrayed over there. Revelation chapter 4, 1 and 2. When John is taken up in, uh, in the rapture, he says the following. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, 
come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was the throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. That is the change he's talking about. That is the change I'm saying is our first item. That when you read First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18, the rapture of the church, the rollout, the cascade, the first thing we see is that hey, there must be a vivid change. People must get eternal bodies. People must get glorious bodies and they must go up there with bodies that can survive there. Are we together? And that now brings me to a place whereby you have seen John also. At once I was in the spirit and now he's looking at the throne. Now he can survive before the father. Isaiah tried. He wept. Dead meat, right? He cried, oh, I'm dead person because I've seen the Lord. You see? Because the need for, that, for you to get a body that befits that kingdom. Are we together? And then now, most importantly, I want to share the vision of October 18th, the year 2021 at this place, right? When in that vision, after preaching in Studio B here, then I went about 3 o'clock in the morning, some bishops were sitting in front of me at the gazebo there. I fell asleep as, I mean, I almost said as usual, but <laughs> oh yeah, sometimes you know, it's long summons, right? But uh, I fell asleep and then at that time about 12 meters away, the Lord appeared in glory, in his glory. And then he spoke from there and said, God tell these people that when the rapture takes place, they will have bodies like mine. And then I noted, I noted that his body was, in fact, was total glory there. Total glory there. So I understood he was talking about they will have glorious bodies like my glorious body. And then number two, then he wrote about one meter and a half like this. I saw his finger writing First John chapter 3 verse 2. So very, very important, blessed people, right? And so I think we need to handle some of these things today, right? And so then I began to teach this message on glorification, the fact that the Lord has promised his glory and he has promised to deliver that glory. In other words, sending me to you people to say, go tell them I will faithfully deliver the glory, the glorious body. In other words, it's a public invitation the Lord is making to you that you may come and share in his divine nature, divine protocol. That is serious stuff. That's extremely serious. That the Lord can make a public invitation to a sinful generation, a homosexual generation that celebrates it for one month. And tell them that now I want to share my divine glory with you. The same God, if you read Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8, he says, my glory I share not with any I don't share with any man. Hallelujah. And that's why we need to see the privilege within this invitation. So that now you prepare the church accordingly, blessed people. The privilege. Now we're together. And so now, at this hour, you see, now that, that opens us up now to, to of course, First John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. But I want to start from Philippians chapter 3 over there, right? That transformation, blessed people, if you allow me. Philippians chapter 3. Oh, there's just so much. I wish I could rush through this. Wow, wow, wow. Yes, so time is flying, right? Philippians chapter 3, 20 and 21, it says the following. But our citizenship is in heaven. That but is there for a reason, right? That but is there for a reason. When you say, but our citizenship is in heaven, meaning from the above. 
there was a conversation above. It's a contestation, not really, it's a contradiction, a little bit of a contradiction. That's why I say, but, however, nonetheless, for us, our citizenship is in heaven. So you see that there, right? Hallelujah. So he's saying, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies. That is the change that takes place at rapture, the glorification. Will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I know in this age, in this generation, there, is, there, there are prophets walking here who have been glorified. So you are at an advantage. So at least you have a glimpse of the vivid realization, the reality of glorification. And I know that the, uh, Eugene who is running the system is wise enough to put even Kakamega also and so forth like that so we can see all of them together. You see they're very serious. So for you, it is so real, it's so close now because you lived in it is so real, it's so close because you've lived in an age where you have seen one glorified one transfigured. So for you, it's really crystallizing. It's materializing soon, right? But you see that that is the promised glory the Lord gave you. And so, we, we see that. We see, then he's saying, so he's talking here. He's saying the following. Just a moment. He's saying that at the rapture of the church, there is transformation which will take place, which is called glorification. I know it will be resurrection and glorification and translation, but glorification, to get glorious bodies, eternal bodies. And he's saying here very clearly about that transformation, that because of that, he's saying our citizenship is in heaven. Can you focus on, on me for a moment on this matter? This is serious now. He's saying at the point at which you receive Christ, the moment you receive Christ, born again, He's saying that is the moment your citizenship changes right away. And once your citizenship changes at that moment, look at this now. He's simply saying that heaven does not take dual citizenship. He's saying that once you have the citizenship of heaven, he is trying to delink you. You delink from like, like he's done in the USA and other countries where people go, go, I know some Americans are sitting here, uh, where you people go to get your citizenship. I know some Americans are sitting here that have uh, citizenship uh, there. Uh, and so, right away, you relinquish the other citizenship. And so, he's asking, what is then the problem? with this church of this age that they have been given a superior citizenship of heaven, glorious body, eternal body, no cancer, no pain, no unemployment, no divorce, no taxes, and then they still want to hang on. It says even in the natural order of things you are required to relinquish. In other words, separate and begin to beam that civilization. In other words, if there is a Kenyan who has get, gotten, uh, uh, I want to say this in a light way, who has gotten a U.S. citizenship here, 
And then the, the, the day he has received it, I, I hope that day you meet him, uh, the day after that, he's now just wearing jeans and t-shirts and just he's behaving in a certain manner, my Lord. <laughs> and drinking coke. <laughs> I drink it too, but I mean, just allow me to say these things. So why, why are you not, you know, why are you in jeans? Blue jeans. Say I'm American. <laughs> so you understand. So he's saying, yeah, that we have to show the civilization of heaven. Yes, to this generation. Because we have received a superior citizenship that does not fade off, does not die. Better by far, there's no comparison. And so he's talking about a disconnection. Disconnecting us from the earth, the world, and all its goings on, right? And that's, that's what he's talking about here. When he's talking about the change, that transformation that you see when you read the book of First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, about the rapture, the rollout, the cascade, the first thing that hits you is that, eh, there is going to be a change to where the kind of body that can survive before the glory of God, right? The first thing that hits you. And the instruction here is very powerful because he says, that our lowly bodies, our corruptible bodies will now have to be changed and become glorious. Meaning, the Lord is now saying that owing to that public invitation and promise, you now must live your lives focused on that promised glory which is unpurchasable. Can I put it better? Look at how it, I'm going to put it. The Lord is standing there in that vision and is telling me to come and tell you people to, to oh, I've already said it, to focus on the promised glory. In other words, he has watched the church and he has seen that you people are not focusing on the unpurchasable, expensive glory of God that has been advanced to you free of charge. So look at this now. For me, it was more like the Lord. In fact, I shared with some people here and you, you, you almost want to weep about it. It's as though Christ so that they are going to humiliate him a second time. And say, please, God, tell them, no, not to humiliate me. They are fo I've, I've watched them. They are focusing on the wrong thing. They are focusing on the wealth of the earth. They are focusing on the, on the shambas, the, the, the plots of property and what have you. But tell them, no. Tell them just to focus on the eternal glory. I have, tell them, I promise, I will deliver it. Go tell them, on that day I will give them glorious bodies. Please go convince them. As though he's pleading with this generation not to humiliate him on that day. Are we together? So that is absolutely serious. So in other words, from today on, your focus ought to be that unpurchasable glory, eternal glory that the Lord, by privilege, has agreed to share with you. That does not make it your glory. You simply share in his glory. And when many of you share, then you magnify his glory, right? Are we together? And so we need to understand that. And then uh, he's saying corruptible bodies now to, uh, and the power that's available to do that is a lot, right? He's saying that he uses to put all the suns and the moons and the planets and the galaxies under his control, give the sun power to emit the heat every day without fail. And then he says, now that is available for transforming your bodies. First John, First John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, that he wrote for me in that vision. As we talk about this change, we need to start moving a little faster. I think we are late. I would have to jump a few things, right? The book of 1 John chapter 3, 
chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. It says, Dear friends, again, who is that? The church. Dear friends, in fact, other, other scriptures, other translations will say, Dear beloved. Then you know that this is the church of Christ is addressing here. Only they partake of this. You have to be born again to partake of this. In other words, he's saying, Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we have and what we will be has not yet been made known. Meaning most of eternity is concealed except that which is in scripture revealed or he has revealed to his servants that he takes into eternity to see, to bring them to see this, um, to say it in this realm. He says, Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been known, been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That is very powerful, especially considering the multidimensionality I've shared here over and over again, whereby he shows himself like 400 people, 500 people. At the same time, he passes, he enters without passing through a roof or wall. He just comes, right? And I've shared with you many times, I can sit here and fall asleep. Then I am far away in Australia or I'm in the Oval Office and I'm listening to what is being said. And that happens with all of you here. Sometimes I come to your homes. I come to your homes very much. Oh, oh no, I don't know whether you'd clap at that. I, I really don't think whether you'd clap at that. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because normally when he brings me, there is an issue. Yes. I, I go, I see, I see almost all people as he wants me to see. Yes. I see and sit there and listen to the conversation and everything. And participate sometimes. Even sometimes when the phone falls, I want to pick and give it to you. Yes. So, I don't know whether you will clap at that. These are very dreadful prophets. These are not your friends. No, they are not. They are not at all. That would be a big mistake. Macharia, is she around? If you shout, people will hear you. She has heard me. Macharia, does it mean that place is full, full? Okay. If you shout, people will hear what you're saying. No, that's alright. I just wanted her to come here and tell you people what she has kept telling people. She has always told people that these prophets are not good people. They are not good. If you look at Haiti, COVID, earthquakes, they are not good people at all. So leave alone being your friends. They are not. But they are not good people. They come to destroy the earth. Yeah. What she has been telling everybody. So, very serious, blessed people. So, he's saying here that most of eternity is hidden in that transformation. Remember, we are still on transformation. We are still on change and transformation. Are we together? The message that comes through very fast, real quick, when you read the scripture of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, the scripture, the lead scripture in the rapture that rolls out the cascade, right? And the first thing that really hits you there is that there must be a big change for you to God fit into that kingdom. An eternal body to fit into the eternal glory of God. Right? And that's what we are exploring here. You can see the wealth of all this entire uh, uh, enterprise on the rapture, right? Very powerful. Can we move on? So he's saying the following. 
verse 3, that's okay. I just wanted you to tell them what you have been telling people. Are these good prophets, good people? That they are very bad people. She has been telling people, no, be careful. These are very bad people. They are not friendly and, and they actually come to destroy the earth. No, don't worry about that. So now, he says, verse 3, verse 3 is the message right there, right? He says, all who have this promise, all who have this hope, all who have this prophecy in him purify themselves just as is pure. So in other words, he's saying that the message of the rapture is meant to purify the church. That the message of the rapture of the church should purify the church, should purify your Christian walk, should make you pursue purity. And if you look at the present day church, if there is one real thing that is lacking and missing in the church of this age, it is purity. It, all across, purity is lacking. I gave the example the other day when uh, my daughters, you know, the Lord raised uh, cripples among the Muslims, right? And they came. They cannot even face me directly. But uh, look at the rest. Manga. <laughs> <laughs> no, purity is lacking. He said the message of the rapture should cause you to pursue purity, purity of heart, to be pure in your heart, to bring back purity to the church, purity in the Christian walk, right? Hallelujah. Just as he is pure. So that is very powerful. Look at this now. He's saying that, look at me, everybody. He's saying that the Messiah that is promising you a glorious body is pure. And he's saying in the book of 1 John chapter 3 verses, verses 2 and 3, he's saying that you shall have bodies like him because you shall see him as he is. In other words, in whatever form he is, you will be so you can be able to see him as he is. And then he's saying that if he's pure, then that means even the glorious body you'll get is a body of purity. Are we together? There's so much hidden in there. You need to pull it out. Hallelujah. And so, Jesus had an eternal body that did not have pain or sickness or malady. A body that did not suffer pain, sickness. Now the eternal body, resurrection body. And yet, when he came to meet me one of the times, look at this now, then it took the, it was the left hand because the palm faced the wall and the glory covered there. He put right there. But when I went to check, there was no blood stain. So that body does not have a circulatory system. Does not have blood. It's only bone and flesh. But it's an eternal body. That's what he's promising here. Very serious, blessed people. These are big things, right? Oh. And then number two. Number two. What else do you see from the message of the rapture of the church? Because and so shall we be with the Lord forever. That's verse 17, right? So in other words, another thing that comes out is that the church is going to spend eternity with Jesus. That means from that point on after rapture, you will never be separated from the Lord again. In other words, there is no delay. There is no time. 
prophecy or delay. You know, you know, right now you're waiting. There's no waiting anymore. You are now with the Lord and eternally so. Are we still together? Yes. So I, I thought this was important. I, I have so much to give. If you just be patient, I'll do this thing. I want to do this. This is the commissioning I was talking about. Hallelujah. Yes, that you may go and do this in your respective uh, churches. So, another thing is that you'll spend eternity with Christ, right? We see it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Can I read it right there? Verse 17, he says, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So that's very powerful. And so we will be with the Lord. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.